and welcome to the Rethinking Leadership podcast series. I'm Jude Jennison, host of this podcast and founder of Leaders by Nature, a leadership and team development company. I believe that leadership is about who we are being as much as what we're doing and that when we combine our brilliant minds with the emotional engagement of the heart, we can solve all of the world's problems. In this podcast, I interview leaders on their experiences of disruptive change and ask them how leaders can position themselves for the future of business. Find out what this week's leader has to say. Adrian Packer, CVE, is the CEO of the Court Education Trust, who run a number of academy schools in the Birmingham area. Adrian has a fascinating career. Having started as a teacher at the Brit School, teaching pupils such as Amy Winehouse, he was then given the unenviable task of turning around a number of failing schools in Birmingham. He's keen to point out that academically the children were excellent, but the governance and finances were all over the place. Here's what Adrian has to say about aligning a team in a crisis. Have a listen. Hi Adrian, thanks for joining me today. You're welcome. Happy to, happy to spend some time with you. Yeah, well can you tell the listeners who you are and what you do? Yeah, so my name is Adrian Packer. I'm the CEO of Core Education Trust. Uh, we run schools in Birmingham. Um, we currently run uh, four secondary schools now. Uh, uh, at one stage, we had six schools. We've had two schools. We've had three schools. Uh, there's, it, it changes. But currently, we're running four schools. Um, and we specialize in running schools that have, have, have had some challenges and um, have suffered reputationally. Uh, so we specialise in going into to schools that have got very uh, low institutional self-esteem and we, we set about making them feel better about themselves because the children have never done anything wrong in those situations and we try and give them their schools back. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's really fascinating, isn't it? Because I know that you know, the, the quality of schooling is just so important, isn't it? So how do, how do you identify schools that are, that are you know, institutionally not, not working? Is it, is it academic achievement? Is it something else? It's definitely not, not that. No, so we specialise in... So interestingly, the schools that we take on are usually... Usually have a, a track record of, of high academic success... Uh, and what's gone wrong is uh, in in that quest to to uh, have academic success, mistakes have been made. Uh, it's usually about uh, poor governance. Uh, in the case of the more recent schools, it was to do with financial irregularity. Um, so the it, 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 and what happens the way they come to us is uh, really uh, it varies. But in the case of the first three schools we took on. Uh, in 2014, um, what happened was I'd been asked by the government to come in and look at these three schools that were embroiled in this national scandal around uh, school governance. And I was my task was to was to find a new sponsor for these schools. Uh, so I was kind of leading a, a task force to to move the schools on to a new sponsor. And uh, what I discovered in in that period was that no one actually wanted to be the sponsor because the schools were so so toxic their brand was so toxic so I couldn't find another sponsor and that's why I created Core Education Trust which is the trust I now lead so I I 
I found the solution myself, I suppose. So mm. we, that's how we were born uh, because um, there was an immediate need. And then we were asked by, once we'd done that, we were asked by the government to look at another set of schools three or four years later that, that as I say, had had this, uh, been caught up in a financial irregularity scandal. So um, we, we don't necessarily uh, set out to, to, to find schools. Uh, they, they tend to come to us. Uh, and that's something that we've we've just uh, in many ways was quite accidental. We didn't we didn't we didn't really. And when I say we, I, I was so me initially. It was just me to start with. I've now built a team, and we have a we, we are a we. But in the early days, it was just a me, it wasn't a we. Well, it sounds like you're a glutton for punishment then, because what I'm hearing is you're taking on. Um, an organization and you know whether it's education or something else it's an organization isn't it that is yeah. failing and failing yeah. the the next generation um, and turning it around with better financial regularity and governance and yeah yeah how, how do you well I know I know how you do that in somewhere like like IBM because that's what, what yeah. I've been in the past but how do you do yeah. that in education I can't tell you. It's a secret. <laughs> um, the, I mean, it, it's, uh, so the first thing is that, that there's not a, a one size fits all. Mm. Like, like most things in life, you, you have to go into these situations um, with a very open mind. You have to do a lot of listening and a lot of thinking. Um, I think in the, in the case, so the, 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 in the two scenarios, the two lots of schools we took over, um, were very different. Um, the first time around, we had to go about the, the, we had to really try to rehabilitate the schools in a way that was, um, for me, it was quite counterintuitive. So in my back, I used to work, I used to teach pop stars and, 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 and then I went to a Premier League football club. And so everything I did was very high profile. Uh, and I, come, I'm, I have an arts background myself. So I'm used to um presenting i'm used to projecting out to the world a big message but mm. in the case of the schools that we, we took over uh in 2014 the, it was about it was the opposite there was there was a lot the media were outside the school every day uh, oh. there were there were helicopters and all it's very dramatic it was all it was all very high profile so what i had to do was dampen all of that and just get on with the business of running a school like you would any school anywhere mm. so, uh, so so the circumstances were such that it was about making sure that the staff who had become very unfocused and distracted and in some cases distressed confused and just bring it back to the real basics of right what are we what are we doing for these children and i'll say it again these children who have done nothing wrong yeah and if we're in this business of education, you know, let's let's stop the nonsense of saying, you know, we're in it for the kids because, you know, that's easy to say. That's easy to say. Let's actually show the students here that we're really bothered about them and how this is affecting them. I had a really sobering my first meeting uh, with the with the students. Uh, I, I, I my first question was around how they were feeling about all the media attention, and and um, I remember a child saying really with such such sincerity around 
wanting to be spoken with, not about. Mm. Uh, and, you know, because I was just, uh, and, and I say that because I, I was this outsider and they could have been really, really suspicious of me or, you know, who am I? I I'm not from the area. You know, this, this had been massively about, uh, this is a school that's 98% Muslim children. It's massively about their faith. Uh, and then here I am, this, this white guy from Kent uh, who used to teach pop stars, you know, what am I doing there? And, yeah. uh, but, 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 I just, but I think they really valued the fact that I sat down and said, you know, how are you feeling? And it sounds really, really basic, but I'm not sure anyone had actually done that. You know, how is this affecting you? Because the grown-ups got caught up in such a, a, a squabble of their own, if you like. Yeah. Uh, so, 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 you know, put simply, there's so much to it. I mean, the, the process of, of, of school improvement is complex in any situation. But, but the basic rule is, is to um, not rush into uh, any kind of radical change quickly. Really understand what's gone wrong to start making it right again. Mm. Um, and, and whilst that's important, you have to, you have to balance that sense of, of considered judgment with the urgency to get things right again because every day that things are wrong a whole bunch of children are losing out on their education and that's that's yeah. intolerable yeah and and i guess with with that as well you've got you've got multiple stakeholders haven't you because you've got yeah. the children that you need to bring with you you've got their parents you've got yeah. the staff you've yeah. got the probably the local authority and the government yeah. And then there's what you want to do with it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, that, that's complex, isn't it? With with a number of stakeholders, with probably I don't know. Did they have differing needs? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's really it it, it it was again not so much second time round because second time round we'd already had a reputation and and it was you know we can do this first time round. Uh, I I think there was there was huge suspicion doubt. Uh, pessimism around uh, where could this possibly go to next? You know, it, it was it, it looked hopeless, and and I think lots of the stakeholders were uh, they were kind of bumping into each other in lots of ways. So you had the politicians who were saying, right, we, this needs fixing, mm. and then you'd have the parents saying, this needs fixing, and as everyone was saying, this needs fixing, but they're kind of shouting at each other until it's just this kind of incoherent mess where, where, where it's just a lot of noise uh, and, and, and there was lots of shouting literally lots of shouting and, and again uh, from a, when I think of it from a parental perspective they would look at someone like me and think well this guy's just been flown in you know he's yeah. going to fly out again so one thing I, 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 I vouched in the very early days to myself as much as anything is that um, this wouldn't be for my CV this wouldn't be something that I do where I can say, look what I did. It mm. would be something that I would commit the rest of my professional life to. Um, and, and, and that was quite a, it was quite a, a, a solemn uh, process, you know, where I pledged to myself, I've got to stick with this right through to, to whenever it is. I, I sort of uh, call it a day. And, that, and, and, and I think that's a bold statement, key. isn't it? I mean, that, yeah. that is a bold statement to actually commit at that, at that level, especially when you've, when you've worked in so many different, uh, different areas and done so many different things. I think that's, 
I, I, in many ways, the, 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 the reason for making that pledge is because of my background. So just a, a tiny bit of context. Uh, shortly before I was asked to, to, to come to Birmingham, uh, I, I'd, so I'd been, as I said earlier, I've been teaching pop stars and having a quite, you know, an amazing time. Um, and I'd, I'd done that for, for about 10 years, just over 10 years. And, but I, I, become quite disillusioned with education or, or no, not with education, with, with my role in education, because people uh, with, with really good intentions and, and I really understand it, but people would be really, really fascinated by the idea of um, what was it like to teach Amy Winehouse, for example, mm-hmm. because I, because I taught Amy Winehouse mm-hmm. uh, and, and, uh, and I can talk about that. It was, you know, a lot. It's really interesting. I talk about lots of students I taught, but I, I, but it started to move. I started to feel like um, I, I was l- less of a teacher, uh, more of a kind of, uh, of, of someone that, that was uh, involved in a finishing school for, for creative talent, many of whom had had quite privileged lives. Um, uh, and and they, were, they were great kids. They were amazing to be with. But I couldn't really see where I was making that much of a difference. Um, so, so a good example is um, think of someone like Adele that went to the, the school I was at. So Adele, uh, when she arrived at the Brit School, she was this amazing talent. She, you know, she had a fantastic voice. She was creative. She was she expressed herself brilliantly. And when she left, she was the same. She, she, mm. she you know, I, I hope we added value, and 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 I'm sure, of, of course. We did, of course, we did, but there wasn't a sense of really making change. So I had this um, this sort of moment where I, I uh, decided that I wanted to be involved in a in a different version of education, a version of education where I could say that there was a uh, that there was a societal change because of the work I was doing. Yeah, uh, and that and that's so I got involved in. I mean, it's a longer story, but I got involved in alternative provision, working with children who who um, had been excluded from school and didn't fit in, um, and and that was a very comfortable place for me to be. So when it came to the pledge in Birmingham, and I'm going to stick with this, it was actually quite a natural thing to do because I was kind of searching for a place to belong myself, where I could feel completely comfortable that I was. I was truly following this, this vocation. You know, I really wanted to make a difference to individual children, but also to society. And I think that's, that's so important, isn't it? That, that desire to make a fundamental difference to society. Is that, has that helped drive you in the, particularly maybe in the sticking points or in the points where you just thought, Oh, this is too difficult. I, yeah. I, I think about that a lot because it, was so it was so difficult and uh, my health really suffered so i i i had some really some big scares really big scares with my health and i have reflected a lot on what what kept me going what keeps me going what gets me through the challenges and i think like i'm sure like many of the people you speak to it it, it often comes down to a, to a whole a whole range of factors that all sort of come into focus uh when 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 you need them to and 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 i think for me i i'm very motivated by the the idea of the fight and 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 the thing about the fight is that 
it, it works on, on, on a range of levels. The first level is my, my, my dad, who's a massive inspiration to me, was a professional boxer uh, and was an Olympian, actually. Uh, and uh, so he, he was literally a fighter. Wow. And, uh, and I, uh, my adoration for him and my respect for him uh, is, is not so much about the fighting part, but it's the discipline that's behind the, the idea of being a boxer and the, the training and the rigor and the, and the commitment, determination, dedication, all of those things. And I grew up with that. And, 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 and he's got a, there's another much more <laughs> complex story about uh, he's, he had uh, lots of mental health problems in his later life. And, and I kind of felt like I was carrying on you know, his fight in a way. So, so there's that element. The other element is, for reasons that I, I, I don't fully understand myself, from quite an early age, uh, so around about 14, 15, I became very interested in the concept of social justice. And um, uh, it was at a time when, so um, this is when I was 15, I was in a, 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 a I think it was a, an RE lesson, and this thing called apartheid came up. And as apartheid in South Africa was explained to me, I, I, I became incredibly restless and anxious that such a thing would exist on this planet. Mm. Um, and I, I joined the anti-apartheid movement and I became an activist and, and, and I... Uh, I wouldn't wear. I mean, this is all. This is all quite a strange thing for somebody who runs schools to to admit to, and I'm I'm careful <laughs> when well, I, I do. When I, I don't do think so. it is. I don't think well, it is. No, because I, I uh, what I what I get from you is that there's a that that the reason why you you stay and and deliver, you know, what is a very difficult job, is yeah. because it has such a massive impact. The the quality of of education is really determined by the quality of the teaching and if teaching is yeah. you know teachers are distracted with their own yeah. squabbles or their own mm. challenges you know or financial yeah. irregularity then yeah. the the children are going to suffer so what i'm hearing is there's a big yeah. there's a big activist in you that is driving the change yeah and it does become it, it becomes uh, I, I am quite obsessive about it as as an agenda I, I i mean in terms of the motivation you could argue it's quite it's it, in many ways it's quite selfish because I, I i get huge satisfaction from doing it um and it's something that 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 make it, it's kind of what makes me tick so i'm i spend my time uh doing a job that i a, a very dear mentor of mine uh, sadly died last week, very recent. And he always used to say, you know, find what you're good at, find that thing that you're good at, but make sure you enjoy it too. And if you can get paid for doing it as well, you're, you're there. You're, he used mm -hmm. to call it the element. You're in your element. And I think, you know, that's what I found. I found my element. I, I, yeah. I do what I love. I'm all right at it. You know, I've had some successes. And um, apparently I do get paid for it. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a bonus. The the yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to hear about your mentor. The yeah. uh, the Japanese call it ikigai. I don't know if I've pronounced that right. But oh really? Yeah, really. It's yeah. There's a Venn diagram with the three things that overlap, and in the middle is the oh, wow. ikigai. And it's where you it's where you're absolutely living and working on purpose. 
Yeah, um, that's extraordinary. Yeah. Do you, do you think that's something that um, you can teach children at a younger age, or do you think that's something you find? Because I, if I look at my work, I'm yeah. absolutely living and working on purpose. I, yeah. you know, I see the bigger picture, and I have a bigger vision of what I want to create in the world and in society, and the change yeah. that I want to see. And you, and that's something yeah. that I've come to over time. Do you think that's something that you can teach children? You can. I, I think you education should absolutely provide opportunities for for children to uh, have have a world view for a start. I think um, we we are. There's a real emphasis currently in education, and it's it's it's, it's a it's a positive emphasis on the idea of, of you know, giving children as, as much knowledge as possible to, to really um, deepen their, their understanding, let's say, of history or, or, or whatever subject. And I, and I think that is really important, but not at the expense of also um, encouraging them to think beyond the obvious yeah. and to, to really, I mean, I, just, just, just ask questions like, what's wrong with the world? That's, that's mm. such a, it's a simple question to ask and it's amazing how many children say well I don't know and then uh, you know I, 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 I really tried then to, to prompt them to, to be more bothered to find mm. out what's wrong with the world mm. so whether you can teach it or not I, 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 don't, I, I, don't, I don't think there's necessarily a scheme of work around how you create um, um, I suppose uh, citizens who are who, who want to, to, to change the world or want to become activists I think some some people are more inclined to 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 uh, become adults who 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 want to live their lives in that way and others less so but I think our duty in education is to uh, really promote this idea of looking at the world uh, and to consider what your role is what your purpose is and what you can do to make change uh, and then it's kind of we, 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 it's it's kind of up to the individual uh, child in the end how much they pursue that or not but we have to give every child an opportunity to have that that experience of really thinking about their place in the world yeah and I think that's that's such a powerful thing to do because we are you know we do now live in a, and work in a global economy and in yeah. a, a global marketplace and and you know people do move from one country to another and we're much more integrated and not integrated enough but we are yeah. much more integrated yeah. than than ever before and i think having a world view is yeah. so crucial to to us as a as a human species to be able to interact and engage with each other and and actually minimize some of the pain of the misunderstandings because when i talk to teams and and you you alluded to this at the beginning of that that whole squabbling and fighting each other when yeah. actually most people fundamentally want the same thing we all want to do great work Absolutely. we all want to be happy in our lives and we want to be able to feed the children and yes and do good work in the world and fundamentally yeah. our needs yeah. are all pretty much the same wherever you live in the world it, and that's so and, that's such a 
an interesting coincidence that I've just been, I've, I've, I've been working on, on a, I've contributed to a book around the events of 2014 in the, in the schools that I, I've, I've talked about. And um, they, it's just come back from the publishers to, to kind of proofread. Uh, and I've reminded myself of, of, of one of my messages or the main message, which is exactly what you just said, which is ultimately you realise that however dysfunctional the situation is, however much things are not working, everybody basically wants the same. And mm. that is to, for things to get better, for things to, to, to not be like they are now if they're not great. And in the case of education, for, for children to, to get a decent education and become brilliant citizens. Everyone basically wants that. It, it goes wrong because, of, uh, because there are so many distractions around us always. And, and different ideas of how you might do it. Completely, completely. So, so I think I, I, I'm actually not really entrenched in any one way of, of, of doing uh, 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 the job that I do or, or um, my approach to crisis management is not always the same. And I think that's the key. The, the key is to be adaptable, to understand the local context, which is always different, to understand that uh, you know, a, a particular crisis around governance in, in one set of schools won't be the same as that same crisis in another set of schools mm. because it will, it will have played out differently. Yeah. So I think you're, you're absolutely right. This idea, I mean, I, I call, I, in, in, in this uh, uh, piece that I've written, I talk about one love because it, one of the things I did when I arrived at school that in some circles was a bit controversial was I, I I played Bob Marley's One Love through the tannoy system as the children really were going right. home. And I, I just it. kind of wanted to remind everyone that we do, all, we're kind of all into the same thing. And, and it's, a, you know, I think some people at the time and probably even still today think, oh, like, bless Adrian, you know, he's a bit of a hippie. <laughs> and, I, and I was, in my acting days, I was in the musical Hair. So maybe I do take some oh, really? of, kind of um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> maybe I haven't lost the, uh, uh, some of the peace and love uh, vibes. But I don't apologise for it because uh, it, it could, you know, it, it, a bit of peace and love can go a long way. Oh, completely. Oh, I mean, I just got goosebumps as you were talking because I think that's such a powerful message. And yeah, and I, you know, I defy anybody to to not like those sorts of uh, songs, like you know, Imagine by John Lennon, and completely. You know, there, are, there are other songs like that, aren't there? And they're probably yeah. more, more modern day songs, but. I think ultimately we we do all want to live in harmony on the planet and we we just don't always know how. So I'm yeah. my, my question for you then is how did you and how do you align a team that is all over the place because I I think yeah. people listening today yeah. that is going to be such a crucial thing because if I look at the teams that I speak to the people are always brilliant at their job. Yeah. Um, if they're not, they they get moved on, and and that's a good thing for everybody because yeah. you know if you're in the wrong job, you need to be in the right job. Um, sure. And and so that's so that's one thing. But but how do you how do you get people to align when they're just so feel so broken? Because it's so I, painful I, to work in a team. I, I like think that. yeah, it's, it's really, and it's it's something I really enjoy. I think there's there's, there's two elements to it, uh, and they're, they're kind of two sides of the same coin one is to for them to understand that i'm motivated by their success and there's no there's no catch i, I want you and us 
to be successful. And it's really, it's emphasizing and, be, and absolutely being clear about that message there, mm-hmm. and that there is, there is no catch, even though they will think there is a catch. But, but, it's, but you've just got to be absolutely um, uh, consistent with that messaging, but also then, of course, delivering that through your actions. And the other side of the coin is, is, is less about them, but more about me. And what they're looking for in me is someone who uh, has self-belief, someone that's got clarity of purpose, someone that is going to uh, not, not, not disappear, someone's going to stick with the job, uh, and someone that has the qualities that they'd expect from a leader around things like integrity. Uh, I, 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 and again, we learn a lot, don't we, from other leaders and, and looking mm-hmm. off and how they, they do things. And, and one of the things that really frustrates me about other leaders I've, I've worked with is that they get very excited about a message or a vision or a, a concept that they're going to deliver. And then it just disappears. Mm. And I think, wow, well, why, where'd it go? <laughs> it, it was on Tuesday it was everything you know by Thursday it's like we're, we're we're not talking about it anymore so I think it's really important that, that I I take the idea of being a leader really seriously and the idea of being uh, of com- really committing to what it is that I am leading uh, and, and I, I don't know if stubborn is the right word but there has to be a degree of I'm going to deliver this mm. but at the same time it being clear that you're not going to deliver it just on your terms, mm. that you are, you are building a team. And that, that, that's why I say it's two sides of the same coin, because you've got to get a, give a sense of, of I'm in control. I'm, I'm driving the car. It's, it's fine. Don't panic. But at the same time saying, I'm also really interested to hear from you. And I want to know how you can uh, work with me and the rest of the team around taking us forward in other words we we are much stronger together yeah uh, and i and i think also accepting that sometimes some people don't want to be a part of that or mm. they 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 can't make that leap or they don't they don't have enough confidence in me and so so i make it all sound really jolly and <laughs> and fun oh, no, uh, and i try I mean, to be i try deeply- to be but it's deeply challenging. I mean, I, I know from yeah. from leading yeah. teams that that. Yeah. What, but what I'm hearing from you is a, a sense of dogged determination without yeah. attachment to the direction, a, yeah. as long as the direction is is a positive move. So it's, it's about that. Yeah. It's yeah. about so, really that fluidity of going yeah. together, but doggedly determined that you're going to move from where you're at. Yeah, and it is, and I think that that's probably that's the sweet spot of effective leadership, isn't it? Mm. Where you think, mm. oh, hold on a minute, am I, am I pushing my agenda too much? Uh, or, or do we need more of me? Do we need, I, I talk to, to my leaders about the art of knowing when to be big and when to be small. And mm. I think it, it is an art. You know, you could, it's like any kind of, like, even in, in this conversation, I know I talk a lot. And I know that I, in any conversation, I can, I can, uh, impose myself too much on the discussion because I, you know, I, I like talking, I like words, I like expressing myself. Uh, and sometimes you have to just remind yourself to shut up <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or to listen better or, or actually to, to just really create space. And I, it's sometimes important just to have quiet, you know, just create some silence and some reflection time. So 
I think there is something about knowing when to be big, knowing when to be small. And I should, I, I, I work hard. I and I hope generally uh, I, I'm successful with the idea of balancing uh, the, the, or working out when when I need to be the leader in the room and when to allow other people to 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 take us all forward. Mm. Adrian, it's been fantastic to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time today. I loved Adrian's dogged determination balanced with a collaborative approach. Those two things might seem at opposite ends of the spectrum, but I'm impressed by his ability to hold the polarity of strength and gentleness. He had one love as his mantra, knowing that he had tough decisions to make and a variety of stakeholders with differing needs and opinions to manage. I think that speaks volumes about Adrian's ability to lead and he's honest about how challenging it is to lead a team in crisis. Where do you need to balance dogged determination with collaboration? And where might a one love approach help you with tough decision making? That's it for this podcast. I was your host, Jude Jennison, founder of Leaders by Nature, helping leaders and teams lead with courage and compassion to accelerate growth in a way that makes a difference in the world. You can find out more at www.judejennison.com and you can find me on all the usual social media channels. Until next week, keep leading and I'll be back soon with another interview on Rethinking Leadership. 